Um, I think I would say that even if you dream a scheme out of reach, don't be so afraid to dream big. Hey everyone, welcome to Kasama's Rise Up, Sakada edition. Today on the podcast, I have invited one of my dearest Manang here today. I recently met her a couple years ago actually and I knew her from like friends of friends but I didn't really get to know her until we really started exchanging um, through Instagram and especially through the pandemic you meet a lot of like amazing friendships and this one was one of them and through conversations and really getting to know and learning about our culture i've learned that she is a grandchildren of a sakata and for me like being able to learn about the many different nuances about filipinos in hawaii most especially there's so much richness in the history and this particular project that I'm doing in really getting the stories out there to those who are comfortable in really sharing their stories because and as I continuously learn is it takes time for someone to really share their own story and today I am really like honored to have this conversation just a little disclaimer that the audio is a little bit like faded only because when we were doing the recording in person, there was a lot of audio technical difficulties and it's part of it. But at the same time, I hope you are still able to take away from her story and her message. And without further said, I will go straight into the interview. Hi guys, my name is Emily Erica, but you guys can just call me Emily. And um, a little bit about my family. So my father is from Bacarai, Locos Norte, and my mother is from Agno, Pangasinan. My grandfather on my mom's side was the first person in my family to come to Hawaii. He came here as a sugar plantation worker when he was about 21 years old, and he later brought my grandma and my mom and her siblings here to Hawaii. And he is a big reason why we have the opportunities we have today and our life here in Hawaii. Um, If I had to title the season of my life right now, I would call it Work Hard, Stay Humble, because I am a second-year medical student here in Hawaii, and a lot of the times we have to work hard and also remember to stay humble. And for my fellow Ilocanos out there, it is Agagagitka Agpa Kumbabaka, Work Hard and Be Humble, is the title of Erica's season of life. Yes, definitely. I think that's a really wonderful way to segue into your story. Um, I'm actually really grateful, like having you here right now. And I think like being able to just like connect before has been really helpful to really getting to know the stories. And like what um, Manang said is that in our season of our life, we have different titles, and I am excited to read along the rest of your chapter. I just also want to acknowledge that, to say thank you to your grandparents for taking the risk of coming to Hawaii, especially because I know a lot of, 
and many that who may not know their history a little bit is that a lot of our, our psychiatrists and plantation workers has gone through a lot of sacrifices. So when, and I wanted to kind of personally ask is um, when you found out that your grandfather was a psychiatrist. So I kind of knew for a really long time that he worked on the sugar plantation fields and that he was a psychiatrist because my um, mom and my grandma made it, made like a pretty like put in a lot of effort to know our history and stuff like that. Um, and I guess my main feeling, even as a child hearing about it, was just grateful because um, they didn't really sugarcoat his experience coming here. Um, I know that he came on a boat and like a bunch of people got sick on the boat and he like saw people like die on the boat too. So it's like just kind of now looking back at it as an adult, I can really appreciate the sacrifice that he made to come here. And then when he came here, life wasn't easy either because he was working as a plantation worker. So he wasn't, he wasn't living in like luxury or anything like that. Um, And then fast forward to like my life now is so different from what his life was like. Um, Yeah. So I just have like a lot of gratitude for my grandpa for, like you said, taking the risk to come here. As a descendant, I feel like there's so much expectation that it comes for you. And like even the um, your journey now, like going into med school, like that is a huge like leap of faith. And I, I kudos to you for everything that you're continuing to do, because I feel like that's that's not easy, especially um, going into med school and being a woman, uh, woman of color, especially. It's like we don't see that every single day. And, I think that's one thing that we, I feel like we don't think about each day is like how are we um, living ourselves. So like transitioning along is um, you shared a little bit about your family history. Now we're going to go a little bit, I guess, forward to how was it like um, like embracing your Filipino identity? Was there parts where you were ashamed, where you didn't like you didn't even want to like learn about your own? culture history is pretty like integrated the culture into like our life quite a lot because um my parents and like my aunties and uncles and grandparents they all spoke Ilocano they did a bunch of like the traditional like Filipino like superstitions and all that and so I don't think I've ever been ashamed of embracing my Filipino identity but I think there were definitely certain times in my life where I felt a little less in touch with my Filipino identity. Um, So I went to school, I went to elementary school in Eva Beach, and then I went to middle school in Waipahu, um, which you know, Chachi, that there's a lot of Filipinos there. So um, I was definitely way more in touch with my Filipino identity during that time in my life. But then when I went to high school, so I went to Midpac. And so that was like all the way in town and like as a private school. So there wasn't that many like Filipino students. And so I felt like I didn't really have the outlet to kind of like talk about my culture. And like, we didn't have like Ilocano languages, language classes or stuff in high school. And honestly, like in my graduating class at Midpac, we probably had like single digits of like Filipinos. Um, and then I feel like 
I still embraced my identity like at home because that's where I um, saw my culture, but like at school, not so much. And then it was when I went to college at UH Manoa where they had, you know, their Ilocano program um, that I once again was like reconnected to it a lot more um, instead of just like connecting to it at home. It was like school and home. And like, I think I was able to like reach out to the Filipino community a little more, but I don't think I would ever say I was ashamed. Thank you for sharing a little bit and like with the experience from just the from your family first because our Filipino culture starts in 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 us like our family like how they show the culture how sh- how they show the values and like and I think that's like one of the biggest reason why when it comes to our culture is like it's really on ourselves and our in our initiative. And how are we able to like, like share our own like experiences? Because like we can see like the the media like play like um, bits and pieces of like what does a Filipino mean? But like our Filipino identity is like roots along with like our family, um, and it's sometimes hard when some like stories are very hindered because of their estrangement of their parents, but. All and all, I think it's just providing the space to like share your experiences, um, like what we're doing here today. And you mentioned a little bit about your exposure to more learning your own identity and culture through the program um, in UH Manoa. Would you like to a little bit share? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So when I started college, I was only doing like. Um, my main degree in like molecular cell bio but then we had like a language requirement to graduate and then I was going to take the easy route and do like Spanish or something because I took Spanish in high school um but it was actually my husband who pushed me to try to take the Ilocano um, placement test with Montevarial <laughs> and um I was like why I can just like take Spanish and then like I'll be done with it faster um but I think he realized that, like, before my school, like, like I could, I could fluently understand Ilocano pretty well because of my family, but when it came to speaking and stuff, like, I'm not super great at that, so I think he really, my husband really pushed me to, like, um, go into those classes more, and then I took it, and then, like, I placed into, like, I think intermediate Ilocano just because of my comprehension. And then that's kind of where it all started to, like, kind of immerse myself even more into my Filipino identity and culture, because language is such an important part of any culture, really. Um, And then I realized quickly that I wasn't just doing my Ilocano classes for, like, a grad requirement. Like, I actually felt a connection to, like, the people I was meeting, the professors I was meeting, and how similar their experiences were to mine and I feel like I never really experienced that in like the educational setting and then um I think after one semester of Ilocano classes at UH Manoa I decided to minor in Ilocano and then I decided to take some like leadership positions in um, Ilocano organizations like Tinkulug so that way I could reach out more into like the community like teaching little kids how to um like how to speak Ilocano, like teaching them like Ilocano songs. And um, I think it was through that like first step of, you know, taking that, um, that place 
an example in Ukana that really opened up like the door to like way more immersion of my culture. Well, I didn't know that. And honestly, I think it is like the placement exam really does like open so many doors. So like for anyone like listening out there, like if you see a placement exam for Ilocano and you're Ilocano, just take it. Like it, even though like you can speak it, like you don't know where it will lead you. And yeah, and we need a lot of more pro- students in the program because we always get the, I feel like we're always in the brink of like canceling a lot of classes because no one wants to learn Ilocano. For anyone that's listening, Ilocano is hip. Because <laughs> I, I know a lot of people say that when they think about Ilocano, it's like it's an old people language, but it's not. It's a, it's a young people language too. We just need to learn to appreciate it more. Um, it's not just all Tagalog. Um, no hate in Tagalog program, but like we just wanna uplift a lot of the languages. Like if there's Cebuano, if there's Bisaya, like we wanna uplift those languages too. So um, and I think that's really interesting that your husband pushed you to take that placement exam because I thought it was just you that um wanted him to learn Ilocano. So I was just like that's like really like interesting like he really does became your motivation yeah my new husband is actually just like super interested in language in general um he actually got a master's in french and like he's not french and like i'm currently trying to like help him learn Ilocano too and like he's not filipino so it's like he's very open to like learning a bunch of different um cultures and i'm super grateful that he's been super open to like learning my culture and my language but yeah uh and one thing that I wanted to kind of transition and ask is like, what parts of your culture do you still feel fascinated by to this day? Oh, a lot of things, actually, <laughs> because I feel like there's just so much to learn about our culture. And like, I think the main things that I'm fascinated with is obviously the language still, um, even though I did a minor, I feel like my speaking still isn't like super awesome. So I'm always trying to like, learn new words and I'm speaking to like my grandma or my mom or my dad um and like sometimes Kevin asks me how to say things in Ilocano and I don't know it so then I want to learn it too so I think learning together has been super fun and um and like me specifically like going into med school and like the healthcare field um I'm super interested in learning how to integrate the language when like speaking with patients because it really helps you um, gain the trust of your patients, especially the ones who are immigrants and can only speak Ilocano. Um, I feel like another part that I'm super fascinated by is food. <laughs> I love Filipino food. I love feeding both Kevin and like our non-Filipino friends. I love feeding them like food, like Filipino food. Um, and I think it's like a super fun way to share my culture with other people. Yeah, and I'm also always down to try like new Filipino food too. Yes, <laughs> going down the oh, going down the um the fascination of Filipino food. Has have you been um cooking any recently? Oh my gosh, no. So like, <laughs> I this is so bad, but like I don't really cook. Like my husband does all the cooking, so like if I want something Filipino, like if I want to eat a like Filipino food, I'm always like betting on my mom to like 
cook something really good over the weekend and I go visit her and then I like ball on some home. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's 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 no worry because like being in med school and also like being able to also cook like you have to have like a set schedule and time and yeah, that's but, a lot. But I definitely want to learn. <laughs> what Filipino food or dish do you want to learn for the first time? Oh, I really love Mickey. So I like all the soupy foods. Like I want to learn how to make Mickey. I want to learn how to make cinnamon. That's my thing. I want to learn how to make bolo. <laughs> yeah, like all the soupy foods. It's almost like lunchtime, Robert. And so this is not looking great. But that's okay. Um, I asked that because like, in the Filipino food, it's like there's even history with them, um, especially where they came from and the influences um, making the food. Like, um, I think there is one um, that you mentioned, um, where is the, some of the ingredients uh, were, give, were kind of traded um, during the migration. So, and that's similar to how we see ourselves is that we can kind of see ourselves as food, food because we've been influenced by so many different people and food, same thing as food, like food has been brought and given and shared. And sometimes we don't know where they came from, similar to us. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a segue um, to our fascination. Um, one other thing that I would like to ask is, has there been a time in your life where you want to actually do something with your culture? Mm, I think an Instagram and a TikTok. It, initially, it was to document my like journey as a medical student and as a pre-med um, but I feel like it's slowly also turning into like representation of my Filipino culture um, in combination with like my life now as a med student. And I like to talk about like, you know, the not so nice parts about our culture that I think that we should change such as, you know, like body shaming and stuff like that. Um, and I also try to incorporate some Ilocan along there as well. Um, I think that's my passion project right now. Um, I'm trying to keep like the Ilocano language within myself too, because um, I can definitely see how it'll benefit my future patients, especially if I end up practicing here. Um, we have such a huge uh, Filipino and like specifically Ilocano population here. So yeah, that's what I want to do with my culture. Oh, and also like kind of like integrating it into like my family life, like moving forward you know mm -hmm. like I don't want the culture to die with my generation and I think that's so important like what you mentioned is that especially being in the medical field like we see patients and most of them are Filipinos and all of the nanas and tatas and sometimes they can be a little bit stubborn and they just want to speak English but deep inside I know they want someone who looks like them mm -hmm. to like um that they can trust and I feel like that hasn't like there's always been a lack of like cultural care, especially in the medical field. And, oh, um, there is this one thing that I did want to add is, what is something that you've noticed growing up um, here in Hawaii um, that you've always 
kind of like pondered on like in a sense like you're growing up in Hawaii and as a Filipino like something that we've always noticed with a lot of the different communities here mm, with the different communities like different cultures mm. here I think a lot of the minorities here actually share a lot of similar struggles with like trying to um, you know hold on to their culture their language such as like you know the Native Hawaiians here and I feel like growing up in Hawaii, we definitely had a lot more exposure to the different types of um, cultures we have here, not just Filipinos, but all of the people that migrate here. And I think I'm very grateful to have been able to have that kind of experience because I know with on the mainland, um, they don't really have that mix of people. So learning about different cultures has been super awesome, especially like growing up. Has there been a time where, like, you this, um, and like, but like going back to school, like, I think in the years, the many years of education that you've had, um, has there been a, has there been any curiosity with like, um, and tying it back to, um, a lot of the our native Hawaiian is like the interest in their culture and like any admiration for what they do. Oh yeah, a lot of admiration for what they do. <laughs> um, you know, I definitely recognize like you said in the introduction, um, you know, we live in the Kingdom of Hawaii. And um, I have a lot of respect for what they're trying to do to like, you know, reclaim um, their native Hawaiian-ness and like, um, I think that's just something that a lot of minorities and some like indigenous groups have to um, come together to, you know, work towards their common goal and not be so like segregated in like the different cultures, but like more of like an overall arching goal. I mentioned this, and I wanted to add in your opinion as well, your insights, because like, I feel like a lot of uh, Filipinos in Hawaii don't really notice that. Um, a lot of the struggles that they went through and are still going through and like the displacement that's currently happening with them because of like all of the things that they're not able to have access to. Mm, yeah, definitely. So <laughs> I am very fortunate to be in medical school because like when you talk about like access to resources, like medical school is not cheap. And, like, I feel like because a lot of first-gen students and just first-gen people in general, like, they don't have access to, like, the finances. Like, I personally grew up with a father who was the main source of, like, income. And then my mom stayed home to, like, watch me and my brothers mm -hmm. because um, they couldn't afford um, someone to watch us. And then so um, my dad was a landscaper and like, they don't make a whole lot of money. So um, as I went to public school for like elementary school, but then later I was able to like kind of go into private school. Um, and I was only able to do that and do medical school because of like things like financial aid and scholarship. And I, know, I acknowledge that not a whole lot of people can get those kinds of like help, like can qualify for financial aid or can qualify for scholarships. So um, I think not having, not qualifying for those resources and then also not having a bunch of like income coming in makes it really hard to have like 
you know, study resources or like um, for extreme cases, like even access to like food or a stable home. I know like this is kind of like trickling down to like a different topic, but I kind of wanted to mention it because like um, I know like with the work that you're continuing to do and like going into med school, like you're, you're slowly being exposed to like different things that you haven't seen before. And like I think there's so much like power and like even being a, a woman in the medical field um, and being able to like outreach to a lot of communities um, and one thing that I kind of wanted to segue this into is um, what is that one thing that you would tell your kind of told your old self today? I think I would say that even if your dream may seem out of reach don't be so afraid to dream big. Um, I feel like if I were to tell my 12-year-old self where I'm at right now, I think she would be, like, so shocked because, you know, how you asked about, like, having access to resources and stuff like that and, like, I guess representation, too. Like, I didn't really see any Filipino, like, Filipino doctors. Um, most of the doctors I saw were, like, if they were Filipino, it was a dude, you know? Um, so I think... For a long time, I didn't even think that becoming a doctor or even getting into medical school was ever possible for someone who comes from such, like, um, a, I don't know how to say it, like a disadvantaged background with limited resources and not too many, like, mentors. Adding to what you said, I think it's it's something worth, um, like, really, like, uh, as a motivation for ourselves because, like, like, I think, like, growing up, like, there isn't a lot and like it was so hard because like you're just like trying to like move into the direction of just like uncertainty and it's like do we follow the crowd or do we make our own path so there's always that like split decisions um and I think what you're doing now um is a legacy and you're making your own her story um I took out the hint and for her because woman needs to continue to be in the in like those higher um higher authority spaces because we're tired of the patriarchy we need more patriarchy because <laughs> women has a lot of things to say um and adding that is what does it mean for you to reclaim your filipino identity? i think reclaiming my filipino identity means a bunch of things, but mainly recognizing the sacrifices of the people who came before me, not just the people in my family, like my grandpa and my grandma and stuff like that, but like everyone within our community who paved the way for us and to also bring awareness to my culture as much as I can. Well, this is a little segue and it's something that I wanted to kind of like keep it short and simple, but here's a message from emily to her loved ones so this is for y'all i would like to say i think this to like my whole family like <laughs> you know like thank you for um supporting me and not thinking that i was crazy to want to like go into medicine <laughs> because it's a really long road and like they watched me like um like just even going into medical school like they supported me like through it all and even like my husband and stuff so like um as a pre-med like I was living with my parents and like my brothers and stuff mm -hmm. and like you know they like fed me and like drove me everywhere and 
yeah. being the only girl in the family like there's like so much of like that um that you don't have anyone to relate to as a as a female and so you're just like what do i do and like so do you have someone to, that keeps you grounded um in your life as a woman yeah i think it's my mom like so my mom was also the only girl like she has three older brothers so like she she grew up very similarly or like she, was a, she didn't have a sister to talk to and stuff so I think my mom really keep, kept me grounded um yeah um, because I didn't really have any other like woman to go to like I didn't have like an older sister um really until until like my brother started having like um like their significant others mm-hmm. and stuff but like before then it was like all my mom <laughs> anything like girl related my mom. <laughs> <laughs> like is your did your mom also immigrated here as a as a child or in her like mid um, I believe she was 13 mm-hmm. yeah so like, she was in the Philippines for like the earlier parts of her life and then your dad also came here same year oh, same um, age. my dad was a little older mm-hmm. I believe he was like an adult already maybe like 18 or 19 mm-hmm. yeah and like even like seeing them like as an immigrant coming to Hawaii for the first time like um have you ever like talked stories with your parents about like the the things the things that they went through? Yeah, so my mom always likes to tell like us, like the family, how when she came to Hawaii, she actually came by herself. Like, um, my grandma was already here, and, and um, she was back. My mom was back in the Philippines with her auntie. For some reason, they couldn't like all come together, so. She like couldn't speak English, so she had to wear like this button on her shirt that says "traveling alone can't speak English." So it's like I'm scared to go travel by myself, like, and I can speak English, and it's like I can't even imagine like, uh, like a thirteen-year-old traveling across like the like ocean by herself. Um, yeah, and then I also realize or like I also know that um like when she transitioned over here she had to like fit into the like the new kind of educational system because mm-hmm. you know in the Philippines it doesn't really like line up in like years. Um so that was a transition for her. Yeah. I think thank you for sharing that story of your your mom. Like I to even have that button like and I felt that I would be singled out because <laughs> I'll just like I can't speak English and then like I would just I would be really ashamed because like people would like frown upon you but like to see now um the many the many phases that your mom went through just to um sacrifice a whole lot for you and your brothers is a long way and um I think even like like going back to like the educational system like our parents like assimilated had to assimilate and I wish they didn't have to because I feel like the word assimilation in our entire community is like we don't have to assimilate because we're definitely we're definitely okay and like the educational system I think the Philippines has that more better education than here (laughs) lighter note is 
um, if you could describe your personality in the Filipino food, what would it be? I think I would say I'm a lumpia, <laughs> not any specific one, but like, um, I say I'm a lumpia because I feel like the outside of a lumpia kind of looks boring, right? But then like, when you bite it and then you look on the inside, it actually has like, you know, like yummy filling. Mm -hmm. And I think my personality is that I'm pretty introverted, like in real life. I'm pretty shy on the outside, but if you get to know me, I think I can be a pretty fun time. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. And like for anyone listening is that I've been talking to um, Manang Emily through Instagram all this time. And like, even like getting to know her now, it's just like, she has so much to tell. And like, I feel like the more that um, she puts herself out there, especially with the position that she is in, um, she's going to like really touch a lot of people, especially as her patients and like um, the impact that she has. So this is the segue of the podcast where I do want to um, have you share um, what you want to promote or anything that you want to um, have airtime. Um, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> So I guess I wanted to share um, my Instagram and my TikTok. So my handle for both is ee underscore two underscore md. And this is where I document my life as a married medical student. And I also try to encourage and help pre-meds, especially those who come from disadvantaged backgrounds or um, come from first-gen backgrounds. And it's also an outlet of where I love to share my Filipino culture. So it'd be awesome if you guys could take a look at my accounts and uh, follow along. Yes, I'm really excited. And honestly, there isn't a lot of Filipino medical doctors on Instagram. Like half of the people that I see are Chinese or East Asians, most especially. So we need more of them to and more of you to share your story because I think even high schools and middle schools they need to they need to know that they're not alone and like the struggles that you face um, and they are facing is really really valid and I think this is a really good way to segue and end the podcast a little bit and I just want to say thank you for coming to sharing your story and I think I've learned a lot from you today and continuing to learn more. And that wraps up on Kasama's Rise Up, Sakata Edition. Thank you, Emily, for sharing your story, sharing the story of your grandfather and really being courageous enough to share your experiences and everything that you've learned as you continue to be in this journey with us as a fellow grandchildren and also a woman of color who continues to strive hard as you make your way into your second year of med school. And for a lot of our listeners out there, this journey is not easy, especially um, going through med school as a filipina and for anyone out there that's listening you can follow her journey at ee underscore md 
and you can get to the page on our show notes below that's all and without further said and do stay tuned for the next sakata edition